I am going to let Garrison introduce himself. Hey everybody, my name is Garrison Brothers. I'm 17 years old. I was born and raised in Murfreesboro and I currently go to Central. I've been going to Central since my freshman year. Um, at Central, I'm very involved in a lot of different aspects. I'm very involved in my school through uh, being student body president. I've been very active in different aspects of school. And also at Central, I've been very involved in youth and government in Mali United Nations. Uh, I was elected General Assembly President for my senior year. I got to serve that role back in November. And I, I was also elected Speaker of the House at Youth and Government, which is just a, it's like a conference where everyone gets together. It's a bunch of government nerds is what me and Mr. Brooks always say. Um, we get together and we actually have a mock government um, where we have a governor, Speaker of the House, different um, roles. There's actual legislators. Everyone comes there and we have uh, bills that we make and prepare and we debate on. I also go to North Boulevard Church of Christ. I've been going there since freshman year also. I've been very involved in that. Um, I've been getting really involved with that. I love being a part of that group. Um, I can I consider myself a Christian. I was baptized um, in two years ago. Wow, COVID really puts it into, um, wow, that was two years ago. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I was baptized two years ago. And ever since then, I've just been really involved in the church and the youth group. I've went on uh, multiple mission trips. I've been to... Um, Mexico, where you have to help with an orphanage, um, that, that's really factored into my view because I always love looking at and studying different cultures, you know, because it's really important to have a different worldview. And through traveling with my family, I've been able to learn more about that and become more acquainted with other people and different um, societies. Um, I've been to, I've never really been, I've never been to Europe or anywhere across the Atlantic or Pacific Ocean. I've kind of, I've been to Mexico. I've been to um, a couple of Caribbean um, nations. I've been to Jamaica, which was amazing. Um, <laughs> but mainly I've traveled within, within the United States. I've been all over, um, especially with my dad. My dad has a trucking company where we move the houseboats all across the country. Um, so through that, I've been able to expose a lot of different, because um, even within the United States, there's a lot of different subcultures. So I've been exposed to a lot of different places with that. I've been up north, been out west, south. Northeast. Um, one of my, my biggest things to do is tr travel. You talked a lot about school and how that is very important to you. And that leads me into my first question for you, which is tell me a little bit about the demographics of your school. Do you think it is a place of diversity? And I mean diversity in race, beliefs, religions. Is this something that you've thought about? I'm curious to hear how you perceive your school. I've actually had a lot of conversations with this about people to see what like what also they think. And through my survey with my own thesis, I've been able to find out um, different the different ethnicities and beliefs. Um, I now I will say that Central was probably one of the most diverse schools when it comes to opinions and beliefs. Um, and also religion too. Um, I think I have met someone from almost every single major world religion, just, to, just being a central, um, which is amazing to see that, you know, we have that kind of community there. Um, but when it comes to ethnicity, we are typically a more, a smaller school. Um, well, I'd say what, like 1200 people, including middle school. Like there's not a whole lot of people there. Um, it's predominantly Caucasian, um, white. There is definitely predominantly white. 
um, but there's also some African-Americans and um, some people from all over. Um, definitely not as much as other people, uh, as other schools, because um, I've went to a public school from um, elementary and middle school. And there's definitely a lot more diverse population wise with ethnicity than it was at Central. Um, I will say that. Um, so Central does kind of lack um, some ethnic diversity. Um, but I think that's also kind of due to um, the size of the school. But I will definitely stand by that Central is one of the most diverse schools I've ever been to when it comes to beliefs and religion. I would definitely agree. I think as far as opinions, religion, beliefs, things like that, I would say that Central has a pretty diverse student body, definitely. Which, have you ever thought about, this is something that I think about because I, as well as you, am a Central Magnet student, and I think about how you have to test in and how it's technically not a private school because we don't have to pay for it, but we receive a private school education. And I'm curious what you think about the socioeconomic demographics are. Would you say that a lot of the people are in a higher class, lower class, middle class, or do you think it's a pretty wide range? Now, I will say that I haven't had a whole lot of um, conversations dealing with socioeconomic status with people, because that can be a touchy subject for some, and I don't ever really want to upset anyone with that, but, um, and I also hate judging people off based off like, you know, what they wear or anything, but I think that we are more uh, diverse for socioeconomic status. Um, you definitely have your more affluent families. Um, you also have some other families that not aren't as affluent. Um, just like, like I said, like with the experience of um, going to Woodworth Buchanan for middle school, um, you know, it's definitely a wide range. There's not really one dominant um, economic class at Central. Um, I will definitely stand by that. That's exactly how I would call Central as well. If you're comfortable, would you say that your socioeconomic status is higher or more middle class or lower class? And depending on this, would you say that this place in which you have been raised has affected your opinions or worldview? I would have to say that I was probably, I would probably be in the middle class, maybe upper middle class. Um, I hate labeling myself or anything like that. Um, but I would have to say that I'm probably more upper middle class. And I'm a firm believer that your environment, like you're, we're all products of the society and the environment we're in. So I will definitely say that my um, socioeconomic status is definitely um, affecting my opinions because I, def I might not have um, the same experience as someone that's in the um, upper class or in a lower class. Um, the only experiences I have are strictly within the, the middle class. So I can't really necessarily relate to some of the things that someone goes through uh, if they were lower class or upper class. So I would definitely say that it definitely af affects my opinion with that. That's a very open-minded way to look at it. And I think as well as you might not have the same experiences, you also have different opportunities. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that we are products of where we come from. And that is not to say at all that a 
affluent family doesn't struggle in a different way. But I think it's important to acknowledge that we all struggle, but our struggles will be different based on how we are raised and where we come from. So knowing that you are a upper middle class, would you say that people maybe make assumptions about you or don't or don't think that you are as open-minded of an individual as you are based on your family? Growing up, I've always had to deal with um, the stereotypes with that. Uh, I've always, and from that, I'm always um, honestly terrified of making someone feel less than, um, feeling that I'm like putting them down. So I almost never want to talk about anything like that because my biggest fear is putting someone else down based on any aspect, especially the whole thing. Um, growing up, there would be um, some kids that'd be like, oh, shut up, you're just a rich white boy. Um, you know, you don't understand. You don't understand this, um, you know. And that really affected me because I never ever wanted to make anyone feel lesser than or anything like that. And so that's why I've definitely become more um, open-minded in that. It was through those experiences of people just being like, oh, you know, you have no say in this. You don't understand. Um, I think as easily as people like to judge a higher, someone who is from a higher class, I don't think that it's always taken into consideration that sometimes these things are just as harmful as if someone were to make these unfair assumptions about someone of a lower class, because a lot of people would not do that to someone with less because it is so offensive and so wrong. Mm -hmm. But I think judging somebody for having less can be transcribed into judging someone who has more and basing your opinions off of that is just as offensive. Exactly. And so growing up, I definitely had to um, deal with that. I never really want to talk about uh, certain things um, because like I said before, I don't really ever want to make anyone feel less than. Um, So I always try to want to be open-minded in that because even though that, I can I consider myself to be upper middle class. It doesn't mean that uh, my family hasn't had its struggles. Um, I come from a family that has, operates our own our own business. Um, we own, like I mentioned in the intro, um, our own trucking company, and we also own um, a land clearing business. My dad used to have where I was born, and we own uh, real estate. And I mean, in two thousand eight, whenever the recession hit, it was really really hard. Those years leading up to it and after. Our family had a really hard time because all the houseboat, um, uh, the production of houseboats significantly declined because so many houseboat businesses went out of business. If there's no houseboats being um, produced or made, I don't like my family doesn't have a, uh, my dad doesn't have a job and we don't have an income. And so we've definitely had some times when we were scrounging for anything we could get. Um, there's a, or I say that, but. Um, there was definitely some times where, where it was definitely harder for us. Um, but I never, but even then I still have out a disclaimer that, you know, there's still people that have it worse off than that. than we had even then, and I don't ever want anyone to feel that, 
um, feel as if I'm trying to be over them or anything like that. Um, but I was just saying that, you know, my family has definitely had some hard economic times dealing with that and had struggles um, that I've, that's also I've had to deal with. So that, I think with that, people would also say that there are opportunities that you have been given as well that someone of a lower socioeconomic class wouldn't have. And I think that's where people tend to draw their comparison. And that goes into a bigger idea that comparison never helps anyone. Exactly. We hear this a lot today as teenagers because we live in a media-driven society. But I think this concept of comparison can also be applied to bigger, more fundamental issues as well, such as economic class. What do you think? I completely agree with that. I think that constantly comparing yourself to other people will only, in essence, never really get us anywhere. Um, I think they could also contribute to people not wanting to reach across the aisle and sit down and talk to someone of a different opinion or belief or, um, for instance, for the sake of this argument, a socioeconomic class. Because um, they get this idea that, that, you know, the person above them is, you know, this all perfect world that, um, that the person above them is um, living in the perfect world where, you know, like, oh, you know, they can't do any wrong or. But yeah, it just leads to like, I think comparing people, it just leads to people where like, well, they don't want to reach across the aisle and talk to people and willing to sit down and discuss the different viewpoints. And we just get stuck in the stagnant state where we're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to make any progress. And I feel like that can be applied to, like you said, to so many of the, so many broad issues that are facing America today and the world that people aren't willing to just sit down with someone with a different viewpoint and just willing to have a peaceful conversation. You can have a conversation, but if you're not respecting each other, that conversation's not going to get anywhere. I could not agree more. And so I want to get away from economic status and talk about another issue that I like to address in this podcast and that is your gender. So as you can probably tell, as I'm sure someone listening can tell, I am female and you are male. And I wanted to ask about you being a man and if you feel as though any privilege comes with that. Well, I definitely identify myself as a male. I use the pronouns he and him. Um, And growing up, I never was really faced with any, um, because I also have a sister. I have a sister who's three years older than me. Um, She was never really faced with any adversity with that, and neither was my mom. Um, My parents both grew up. My mom grew up in Canyon County, Woodbury, Manchester area. And my dad grew up in Murfreesboro slash Christiana Fosterville. And from my own experiences, um, 
I'm not saying that no one else faces this, but in my own personal experiences, I've never had, um, nor has my um, mom or my sister ever really had anything based on gender. I feel like in this um, country, we have made great steps and strides in that, but I'm not saying that we are where, where we need to, we're at where we need to be. I know that um, not everywhere in the, in the world, and especially in this country, that um, has had the same experiences I've had with that. I know that there are people that also have faced that. And now I also said it's with me being only 17 years old, I haven't had a whole lot of experiences in the, in the real world. Because I would like to say that as kids, we're kind of sheltered. We're not really exposed to, as I said, the true horrors of the world. And I just, I just want to put it, go on record and say that I'm not saying that that doesn't happen or anything like that. And I fully believe that there is still some um, people and maybe a lot of people, you know, that suffer from that and go through that, the adversity with that. And I know that um, through history, no, sorry, I know this might be boring, but I'm very history oriented. When I look at an argument, I love to look at it through a historical lens. And I know that throughout history, um, males have, typically been seen we've been dominated by a patriarchal society and i believe that you know i don't see why a woman um why they were so put down why they were seen as being weak and inferior i mean i've had so many strong women in my life that i don't see how throughout history anyone can look at another person and just be like oh wow you're inferior like that's interesting and i think i asked you a very broad question and i see now from your explanation that you have you personally seem to have a lens of equality because of the people who are around you and you have seen i'm sure you have a strong from how you've described the women in your life i would make an assumption that you probably have a strong sister, a strong mother, and I'm sure you surround yourself with those type of people. When I talk about the privilege that a man has, I usually think of, like you were saying, the positions of power historically, as well as the safety aspect that I think a lot of people as well as men don't have an experience with. For example, as a woman, I have certain fears when I'm in situations or in public places or at night. And I think that's what I mean by privilege more than the historical 1950s, the woman belongs in the kitchen. Now, when you say that, I completely agree with you that there's definitely that um, I just hate that we live in a world where a girl cannot go outside. They're, they're terrified of being by themselves. Um, my, now that you, like, you say that, it's bringing you back a lot of stuff. My sister was actually almost um, abducted. Um, um, there was a we were at the beach one time and she got pushed shoved, she got shoved into a room um that really opened my eyes and also having a um you know my sister going to college and now we're getting older i realized that 
I mean, a guy can walk down the street and be fine, but I mean, it's just so frustrating that we live in a world where women have to be scared to be able to do all that. I just wish that we could all come together and just try and root out that evil and try and get rid of that. Because I know that it, that when that aspect that males have it good. Um, and there's another aspect I know as a female, sometimes I feel as though my opinions or thoughts are not heard or taken into consideration in the same way that a man might because of that stereotype that a man can command a room, can command a group of people, and a woman is less than in that aspect. So I find myself sometimes being, I feel myself being overwhelmed with a toxic kind of masculinity at times where I feel overpowered. And I think this is because I consider myself to be a pretty strong, independent, very pushy woman. And so I think that makes men feel inferior sometimes. And that can affect why I tend to be in comparison or in a situation where a man might be trying to one-up me. Mm -hmm. Well, you couldn't see, but whenever Allison said, you know, that a, male, a man feels inferior when a woman has an opinion, I roll my eyes because I think it's ridiculous that guys feel like they're, they, yeah, like it's ridiculous. It, it infuriates me that there's this preconceived idea that women can't control a room. They can't have their own solid opinion or all these things. It's ridiculous. Like I said, I've had some very strong women in my life. Um, my sister is very open about what she believes. She's never going to let any, she's never going to let any man or anyone else for that matter, um, control her. Um, my mom too. I grew up in a household where my dad wasn't really home a whole lot. Um, so my mom was always in charge of the household always. Um, so I've always, I've always growing up, I've always been used to a, um, a woman be able to like have that position of power and everything. So now I will say that I have, that's what something that um, I lack. Like I don't typically understand how when other people come from, like they're not really used to that because that's my environment. I grew up in an environment with, a, with uh, my mom controlling the household, running the household and doing all those things. And also having a sister that was not afraid to voice her opinions. And right now, um, the person I date, Kaylin Wiley, she is one of the most independent people, strong, independent people I know. Um, she, like, I never, ever want to try and control her or, or limit her in any capacity because I've always believed that there, we get nowhere with limiting anyone. I want everyone's opinion to be heard. I don't want ever, anyone to ever feel that their opinion isn't enough. Um, now growing up, I went to a very conservative church of Christ in Woodbury, um, and I, there's a lot of stereotypes when it comes with Church of Christ. And I won't be afraid to admit that that church did fit some of them. And we no longer go there. We're no longer really associated with there. And it was frustrating to see how people believed that women couldn't preach. Women couldn't do, all, do any of these things. It was just a male-dominated thing. 
Um, I mean, it's just, I fully believe that a woman should always be able to voice her opinions that anyone, not even just anyone specific, but anyone should be able to voice their opinions. And, and with that, like I t some people say I have more radical beliefs when it comes to Christianity, but I don't understand why a woman can't be able to preach or anything like that. I don't understand why because I've had, I've heard some amazing lessons from men and women alike. I totally agree. And I have grown up in a Christian environment, especially my mom. And my mom actually works for a church, is a leader in the church. But I used to wonder and question our church in the way that we did not have female elders and I would be brushed aside a lot of the time or told not to question or given answers like it's biblical and that used to just light a fire in me because I do not in any way believe that men and women have roles that cannot be achieved by one or the other. There's a reason that in the Bible that there's strong women present in the Bible. I mean, in throughout the entire Bible, there's strong women present everywhere. Um, like Mary, Jesus's mother. I mean, she was amazing. She was, she was powerful. And then you have like Ruth in the Old Testament. I mean, it just goes to show that, I mean, even back then, like there was still strong women. And I don't understand how that has been so distorted to now that saying that women cannot or are incapable of doing these things. Um, at North Boulevard, we're definitely a lot, they're a lot better than uh, Woodbury Church of Christ. Because, I mean, there was times whenever like the preacher for instance, we had a lesson on um, gender in the church and gender in the Bible. And he said, now, I feel like I'm not very prepared to talk about this. And he let a, um, her name's Renee Sproles come up there and speak on it. And she has a really good book. I think it's called On Gender, maybe. And she went through and talked about how, like, how a lot of these things in the Bible that people seem as like, oh, it's male dominated. Or anything like some verses that like more misogynistic people quote all the time she went through and completely discredited their argument and said like what well, you have to look at it because one of the things with me with the bible like i love getting the etymology of it of saying that you know the bible has been translated so many times to get to the version i'm reading right now i want to trace it all the way back to like the original hebrew that it was written in and see what that word meant because Everyone has a bias, no matter what. There's always going to be a bias. So through the years of translations, it's definitely as people have added their bias in certain aspects. And that's why I sometimes I don't read or depend on certain translations of the Bible. Because I know, like, I've looked into the history of it. And I know that it might not be as accurate as it was supposed to be. So, and with that, like, I think it was amazing that at North Boulevard, they were able to do that and go through and break 
break down these arguments that people had, the more misogynistic arguments of like, oh, women can't even really have any role in church. I agree. And as someone who has even struggled with religion, especially Southern religion, I think that is something that I've struggled with. I've always been very spiritual and I have always believed in a higher power and I would even identify with the Christian God because that is what I was raised around. That's what I know. However, I have found that I I do not ever struggle with my belief as in the belief of a higher being. I struggle with religion in the sense of a church. And I have struggled with going to church consistently because of beliefs and opinions that I feel the church tries to kind of inflict on me. I felt like an outcast many times. With that being said, I wanted to point out that even if you are someone who is not Christian, even if you are someone who has a different religion or no religion and does not believe, I think we can all agree that the Bible is a book. And whether you think the book is filled with metaphors and symbols or if you think the book is filled with truth and real experiences in either of those cases we can learn something from the bible itself and the book itself and understanding those metaphors or quote experiences or truth or quote symbols or metaphors you can learn these lessons and there's a reason why the Bible is such a renowned piece of literature. So even if you don't see it as something where you draw your religious beliefs from, you can at least, I think many people would agree with me in that the Bible is literature and it is a very, very well-written piece. See, the beauty of life, from my perspective, is that we all have different opinions. We have different perspectives. And I think that's what's so amazing about life is that no two people have the same exact set of beliefs. And I also go back to what we were talking about earlier is how we're all products of our environment and how I love looking at how the different environments affects the way you view things. And I mean, that's why there's so many different denominations of just the Christian faith is because people can look at the Bible and interpret it in so, so many different ways. So going back to your earlier point about how, you know, the idea of like, you love the Christian faith, but the Christian people have typically like turned you away from it. I completely agree with that. Like there's been times where I just want to pull my hair out and just storm out because of people that have, that have just been so ridiculous and just like have wronged me or just said some things. I just, Oh, it just infuriates me. Um, one time Mahatma Gandhi was quoted as saying, you know, Christians, I love your God, but I don't like your people. I mean, it just goes to show like how we're human, you know, we're not perfect. Um, and that is where I struggle with religion. However, I don't struggle with my relationship with God. And I also have a very, very radical view of Christianity. As you said, you sometimes have 
And that view is that I personally, some would call this more of an agnostic belief, Mm -hmm. but I believe that religion is something that is man-made as in those denominations that you were talking about and religion is man-made and so i think when we are not accepting of all religions and i'm talking about buddhism hinduism all of these other world religions you know we are products of our environments as we've said many times here And I think we easily discredit the fact that we believe something because that's where we are raised. So I believe in the Christian God because I was born in the Bible Belt. That is why I think this way. But I think that in no way discredits anyone who may have a different belief because they are surrounded by those types of people such as Buddhists. If my parents were Buddhist, I'm sure that I would believe in Buddhism and that religion. However, I think that all religions are fundamentally based on these ideas of love, patience, selflessness, gentleness, being a very moral and humane person. Exactly. I could not have put it in better words. Whenever you were talking about it, the first, like the first thing that came into my mind is how throughout the Bible, it's all about love. Like the Christian Bible is all about loving your fellow neighbor and being there for them and just loving them. And I just feel like that's a fundamental belief and has to be a fundamental belief. And if you ever lose that, I feel like you possibly might lose the entire idea of it. I would say that love is definitely the foundation for many, if not all, world religions. And I think certain social ideas and issues I support are also fueled by love. For example, I support gay and trans rights because that love is important to me. Exactly. And that's when I go to say that sometimes I have more radical beliefs is because I feel like, like I said before, is that love is such a fundamental part of the Christian faith that how can you look at another person and judge them for a sin? Because even though, because I know that, you know, being a Christian and it says in the Bible that homosexuality is a sin, but so is all these other things that we as humans commit every single day. How are we not supposed to love them? That's why I support people like homosexuality because I love them. How can I look at them and judge them for a sin that they're committing when I commit so many on a daily basis? Like there's a passage in Luke, and I don't mean to bring up the Bible a whole lot, but there's a passage in Luke where it says, how can you look at another person when they have a speck in their eye and judge them for it when you have an entire plank coming out of your own eye and that's what i bring into every single issue with that is like i feel like we should love everyone and christians get a bad rap because there are christians that i mean they spew hate on these people and that's just not what the christian faith is about i could go on a rant right now about that but i'm not about how people like Christians hate these people, but 
they're going against the very teaching that they've been brought up on. And it's just so frustrating. And that's why, like, like I said before, it's like, you know, that's my more radical belief because I love those people. I support them. I think in every case scenario and no matter what you believe, love should always overpower judgment. Exactly. And there should always be more love. The love in your heart should always exceed the judgment and hatred in your heart. Exactly. And that goes to anyone who believes anything or doesn't believe in anything. I think that can be, with that being said about love and kindness and generosity and all of, in my opinion, the good things in the world, what would you say is your... 100% driving force behind your opinions on social issues that are often very controversial. I bring love to every single issue. I bring it to the table every single day, every single conversation. Because without love, we'll never get it anywhere. And sometimes people misconstrue the idea of love. Um, Some people take it as a physical love. Some people take it as a different type of love. But I take it as a love that I respect my fellow human beings, no matter their opinions. I respect them for whatever they do. Because I know that I may not partake in certain things, but it doesn't mean I can't love them and support them. I agree. And I think where I draw my line, as in drawing my line of who I affiliate with or who I choose to spend my time with or who I choose to disagree with and things like that. I draw my line at at when you are supporting or you are doing or saying things that are fueled by hatred. An example of this is racism. An example of this is being homophobic and expressing homophobia in a violent manner or even in a very offensive manner, in any manner. I think that when those things are being put in the world and that hate of people or a certain type of person is being spread, that's where I tend to draw my line. And that's where I decide I cannot support or be around you and I we disagree too much is where I draw that line yeah I mean it's really frustrating because I've definitely had some experiences with people that have expressed homophobic tendencies and whenever I try to call them out for it, I'm like but dude what do you why are you saying these things and they go oh you know I'm not homophobic I'm not scared of gay people I'm like but you're spreading hate about them like, just because it's like the word homophobic is like, te- typically means like the phobic part of it is like your fear of. It doesn't mean that like, just because you're not scared of it doesn't mean, you know, like, you know what I mean with that? And, and I just tell them like, hey, look at these things. Like, I bring love to the table. I tell them, I was like, how can you look at them and like, be afraid about, afraid of them or be, or don't want to be around them. Like, we're supposed to love everyone. When Jesus came back to earth, He wasn't with the holy and the righteous. He was with the people. It literally says he was with the tax collectors and all these people that the Pharisees and the people that were like the religious scholars refused to be with. That just goes to show that as Christians, 
we have to be with those people. Like we were supposed to be with those people. We're supposed to love them. My dad always says Jesus was the biggest rebel there has ever been. And I find that very powerful and comforting to know that the person that I draw a lot of my ideas from is that way. And I think we forget a lot of times to not be self-righteous or not use religion as an excuse to be holier than thou. This is going towards politics and less of religion, but would you say that political affiliation affects who you are acquainted with or do you try to look at it from a different perspective? Not at all. I don't ever want to um, base my friends off of what they believe. I base off of who they are as a person. Um, I've never believed in, you know, like, oh, wow, you're conservative. Oh, I can't be friends with you. Oh, wow, you're liberal. I can't be conservative. I can't be friends with you. I don't ever want to judge someone off their own opinions and beliefs. I want to be around people that are good people that like, and I'm not saying I'm not basing good off what they believe or anything. I'm based off like who they are as a person, like how they act with other people, how they interact with other people. I feel like that's important. And I never, I love having a very diversified friend group. I have friends that are super conservative and I have friends that are super liberal and I love talking to them equally. I love having those conversations because it helps me keep an open mind because they bring so many different viewpoints from different directions and everything. It just makes my heart so happy when I get to have those conversations and I'm introduced to a new viewpoint because I'm always trying to be, because I don't ever want to be too far left or too far right or anything like that. I don't want to have a friend group that's too far right or too far left. You know, I want to have a very diversified friend group because once you have, you solidify your friend group and you make sure it's like all of one view, you're never going to be able to break out of that. You're always going to have that one set viewpoint. You will never have any other viewpoint be able to break in. You're only going to be set in your own ways. and You're not going to have a very open mind is what I believe. I want to respond to that because I find myself in a very similar position as far as your relationships with people. But even further back, I want to say that I agree in that political affiliation does not define who I have relationships with, but I will say that some of your beliefs will define it, such as if you are racist, if you are homophobic, if you decide to hate on people, which that obviously would say something about who they are as a person, just as you were saying. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people would agree with you Mm -hmm. in that I think that a very toxic trait of a lot of people and our nation as a whole (laughs) is these ideas that we have to be a certain way. For example, I would identify liberal in both social and economic situations I would identify as liberal however I don't think that me being liberal should be 
should be a deciding factor for who I am as a person. And I don't think that being liberal should be my only personality trait, if that makes sense. I don't think that that should be definite. I think me being anti-racist, I think me supporting trans and LGBTQ plus people should be something that defines me. Being a feminist should define me. But this idea of me being liberal and not being open to people who are conservative, that should not be who I am. This might be a little radical, probably not at all. But if you look at someone that's liberal or conservative and be like, oh, I can't be around that person, you're a problem. You contribute to the society of where people do not want to go across the aisle and talk to people. If you look at a person and based off their beliefs, you automatically don't like that person, then you don't have a very open mind. You're contributing to the society that we have right now in the United States and possibly pretty much the world where people don't want to go across the aisle and sit down and talk about different viewpoints. And it just gets to the idea and it just contributes to where people start thinking that, oh, wow, that side is evil. That side is not good. Like that entire side, if you start labeling everyone as a whole, that's whenever we have an actual issue. That's when we have straight up divisions, divides between people. That's when it's even more polarizing. I mean, it gets gets to the point where you consider anyone of that belief or political party where you just automatically think they're evil or like it just gets to the point where, I mean, honestly, where a country cannot coexist, cannot exist because the people are so divided because they can't, there's not going to be any compromise. There's not going to be anything done. I mean, that's when a civil war happens is when two sides start talking about each other and talking about how like it's evil or anything like that. And I don't think that it should be as broad. So one of my biggest pet peeves about people in general, doesn't matter what side you're on, my biggest pet peeve are these broad generalizations that people tend to bring. For example, all liberals are snowflakes. All conservatives are racist rednecks. These broad generalizations that are covering huge population groups, that is so toxic. I think the way that we decide who to be around should be much more case by case than it tends to be. I've actually had, I've actually had a lot of experiences with those generalizations Um, coming from a um, rural background, rural, sorry, accent's coming out. As you can tell that you can probably tell by my accent, I come from a more um, agrarian background. Um, My grandpa on my dad's side, like I said, he grew up, um, I would probably be if I were to become a farmer, I'd probably be fourth generation or greater with that. Um, my dad has a farm. My grandpa has a farm. And him before that, we're also farmers. So I grew up in that kind of 
environment. And when I went to Gulf school and people said, you know, I said like, oh yeah. Um, they were like, oh, he's just some country hick. And it got worse to the point where people were starting rumors that my family was a part of the KKK because I had a Southern accent and I said that I worked on a farm. So I had to go through the first two weeks of governor school and be like, no, I am not a part of that. I have never been associated with that. My family's never been associated with that. We are not that type of people. I had to deal with those generalizations going to Mun and Yig. Like, oh, wow, he is. And like kind of like what you said earlier, I, this didn't upset me at all, but you were kind of surprised that I was more liberal in some of my viewpoints. It's just like people hear my accent or hear, see certain things about my personality or how I act. And they're like, oh, they automatically jump to generalizations with that. And it's kind of been, it's nowhere near the struggle that other people have got to go through, but it's definitely been frustrating on my end to combat some of those stereotypes and generalizations just all based off of what I said my family did or my accent or where I'm from. I wanted to touch on what you said about empathy, because I think that is a very strong characteristic of humans. And I have always learned that sympathy is when you have similar beliefs to someone else and that helps you understand or feel an emotional connection to that person. However, empathy is that ability to have that connection and understand that person without having those similar those similarities or knowing really what someone's going through and so I think it's powerful that you focus on empathy because I think empathy is way more difficult to accomplish because Mm -hmm. when you don't necessarily when you can't relate to somebody else because you're not similar I think that makes it very difficult to have a connection and feel a unity with that person. And I agree that I think that is something we can all work on. I think the willingness to be able to go to extra lengths to, even though you're not even in the situation, never been in the situation, but you're still trying to feel for them and reach out to them. I think that just goes to show like so many different positive outlooks of of a person that they're willing to go to extra lengths to still care for that person and just be there for them and try their best to feel uh, what they're feeling. But even though they may have never, ever have anything like that. I mean, I think that is, like I've said, is such an integral part of a healthy society is people that is filled full of empathy because with that people are willing to reach out to different people and go to the extra yard to be able to be there for people. I agree. And just as there should be more love in your heart than judgment, I think there should be more empathy in your personality than aggression and tendency to invalidate somebody else. Exactly. And one of the things that I've like going back to like kind of like the sympathy part, like, yes, sympathy is very good. It's very good to be there for people. But and going back to both empathy and sympathy. You have to, your actions have to meet with your words. Like, for instance, one of the things that I've kind of always struggled with, with my um, Christian faith is that the people are like, you ever say anything? Like, if I ever have any issue, people are like, oh, you can always come to me and talk to me and everything. And it's like, oh, 
I'll be praying for you. And it's just like, I know like, yes, like that's really good and everything, but it's like your actions have to match up with your words. Like, yes, like I'm, I'm appreciative that you're praying for me, but like also getting there in the trenches with me and just helping me and being there for me, it just really shows like that you really care for someone. Like your actions really show like they're backing up with your words and everything. And that's one of the things I always try to help with people is like, because I mean, going to Central Magnet, it typically it has to, it's a very demanding environment. It, there's a lot of people dealing with the high levels of depression, anxiety, and stress. Oh my goodness, the stress. I want like, and I just want to show that like my fellow students and people that like, I'm there with you. Like, I want to be in the trenches with you, like fighting you or fighting with you against whatever problem it is. And I feel like what we need more of that in the world is people that are willing to just get in there with you and help, help you with it. No matter the differences, no matter whatever it is, just be able to just jump in and just help you. Because I feel like that's what Jesus was about. It's like he didn't know any of the people that he was healing on a personal basis, but he was willing to get in there with them and he was able to help them. I mean, I think that's what's so important about Christianity is that we have to help people instead of trying to put down other people. Instead of trying to put down other people, we need to help prop them up. Like you said, like instead of we need to have more love than hate, more empathy than aggression, because we have the opposite of that. We're not going to go anywhere in society. There's going to be more division, more hate, more. Oh, just it's just not going to be a society. I don't want to. I don't want to be a part of that society. I do not ever want to be a part of that society. And I just hate to see that. I feel like America, the, the society that we are a part in, is slowly going that way. And sometimes it's quickly going that way. Like it's just rapidly going like that. And it's just sad to see that. Like we need to like pump the brakes and think about who we are as people, not what we believe, but who we are as people. Like we need to come together and fight these issues like hand in hand, not against each other. Like nothing will ever happen if we're going against each other. But if we come together, oh my goodness, the things that we could accomplish. I totally agree. And I think that is a very powerful statement. And I think in order for us to have unity and accomplish these things that you're talking about, we are individually going to need to look intrinsically exactly, and stop looking at another person or what about what they're doing or what about what they believe or how about this person? Mm -hmm. Look at the bad things that this person is doing. And instead of pointing the fingers at other people, I think we need to look inside. Exactly. And growing up, we're always, we have these very, oh, stereotypical sayings of like, you know, we're, we're just like bombarded with a bunch of different stuff. But looking back at it now, one of the things that I always try to keep in mind is a three worded phrase, be the change. I know that growing up that that's overly used and everything, but if you really think about it, I mean, you know, America wasn't founded all in one day. And going back to Christian faith, it, the world wasn't founded all in, like everything that we know wasn't founded in one day. It was step by step, you know, like the saying, you know, be able to run a mile, you got to take the first step. I mean, be the change, be the first step. Even though that no one else is doing it, 
you have to get out there and do it yourself. If you feel like the world is going to a bad place, be the change because people will start mirroring other people. People are a product of their society. Like that's what we've been saying this entire time. Like you take the first step and people will follow. Like one of my favorite movies is Forrest Gump. And like, it's such an amazing movie, but one of the most powerful moments in it, in it, like there's other ones and most people wouldn't probably agree with me on this, but one of those powerful moments in the movie is when Forrest starts running across the country, people start following him. He was the first person to do it. And then people just followed him everywhere he went. It just goes to show that we live in a world that people will follow other people. They want to be like, we live in a world where like we're bouncing ideas off each other. And if you were one to be the change, to take the first step, to take the initiative, I mean, man, we could really become an amazing society. I agree. And I think there are too many people who accept things for the way they are and don't have this idealistic, hopeful mindset because so many things are wrong. And I will be the first to say that trying to be the change is exhausting. Yes. It is so exhausting. And it's something that you have to learn to build strength in doing and Mm -hmm. that you have to learn to be strong in voicing your opinions and be strong in voicing your fundamental ideals that shape you into being who you are. Everything takes practice. Nothing will ever get done in one day. Like I'm not going to, you know, become the strongest man in the world in just one day. It takes practice. It takes repetition. It takes becoming a habit, breaking old habits and forming new good ones. And I think it's definitely easier said than done. Mm -hmm. But I think it's one of those things that is worth the practice. And one of the other things that we're talking about with like, I believe is an important aspect of society is that people need to learn the difference between hearing and listening. I mean, there is such a huge distinction between hearing and listening because I can be sitting here and hearing Allison, but just because I'm hearing it doesn't mean I'm actually listening to listen means to actually focus on what she's saying and not thinking about what you're going to respond to or how you're going to be like, Oh, she said this, I'm going to say that. No, it's actually thinking about what she says and breaking it down and be like, oh, wow. And thinking about what she said and not just thinking about how you're going to respond to it or how you're going to discredit her. I mean, if we will learn to listen more than hear, I feel like that we would be able to gain more empathy, be able to understand where people are coming from and understand why there's so much, so many differing opinions. I could not agree more. (laughs) I think that is a very, very valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. I want to say thank you so much for having this talk with me and being willing to listen to ideas and concepts and answer some questions. I loved hearing your point of view. It has been such a pleasure, Allison. Thank you so much for this. Like, of- It has been so amazing. Of course, of course.